Hi, and welcome to the Medicine for Life podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lynn Stiff. I'm a dietitian turned physician passionate about empowering people to use their lifestyle as medicine. Many of the chronic diseases and cancers that affect our world can be prevented. I'm on a mission to provide you with evidence-based tools and education so you can implement realistic and sustainable changes into your life to combat disease, reach your health goals, and lead your best life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Let's begin this journey together. Hey everyone, thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Medicine for Life podcast. Today we are going to be talking about nutrition. This is the thing that everyone asks me about, and because I was a dietitian before medical school, I sort of have been pigeonholed into this one niche of lifestyle medicine, when actually I like so many other things, and I find myself hesitating to even talk about nutrition, and I can't quite put my finger on what it is. So, you know, I got into the medical world as a dietitian. Um, I was very passionate about nutrition in general, learning about how diet can influence, you know, weight is really what brought me in in the first place was seeing the obesity epidemic and thinking, gosh, if people just knew how to eat well, this would all be fixed. Little naive Lynn um, realized over the next decade that it's much more complicated than just educating people on how they quote unquote should eat. But when I first got into nutrition, I was really passionate about learning the biochemistry and understanding how different diets can have different results regarding energy and stamina and diabetes, heart disease, all different medical conditions. And then the more I actually was in the real world, not just in my studying world and in the vacuum of which nutrition is often talked about, I started to realize that this whole world of nutrition and wellness is so much more complicated than anyone lets off. And I think it's because we all eat. So we all think that we know what the best thing is, because if it works for us, it must work for someone else. Or if it works for your aunt, it must work for everyone else. That's kind of like your aunt. But the fact of the matter is there is not one specific diet that is perfect for any one person. And I think the fact that diets are always in the media, it actually has made me feel like I'm separating myself from that world because it's almost laughable how many times diets cycle through. So, you know, there's this low fat fad, then they realize, well, when they take fat out, they just put sugar in. So then it becomes a low carb fad and then low carb isn't good enough. So then it becomes a keto fad and then paleo is thrown in there somewhere. um, And then low carb comes back. And now in some groups that I follow, it's actually low fat again. And I just, I can't wrap my mind around this because when someone's doing it, we all have known those people who get so into it. Maybe we've been those people. You're so into it. You have blinders on and you think it's the best thing in the world, but everyone around you is like screaming because they see what you're going through. They see that you're latching onto this piece of hope that it's going to change your life. And then if it doesn't pan out, what that's going to mean for your life and health down the road. And the one thing that I've realized is the only thing that actually works long-term for most people is a very realistic approach at eating a general healthy diet. And so what is a general healthy diet? 
So this is mostly plants, real food, not too much food. We can quote Michael Pollan. Um, he says that's slightly different, but you get the gist of it. Um, but basically just real food, things you can recognize. We try not to eat out very much. You try to eat basic foods that aren't laden with lots of extra uh, salts and fats and artificial sweeteners and a zillion flavors, but just real food and appreciating it for what it is. And so I don't advocate for a specific diet, but a specific approach at eating. And honestly, I think the Mediterranean diet, which is basically what I talked about in the episode on the mind diet, which I believe was episode nine, um, but basically a Mediterranean diet is very much in alignment with what I've described. And this type of diet has been studied numerous times and has shown that when people follow this general way of eating, they tend to have lower blood pressure or less prevalence of high blood pressure, I should say. They have less prevalence of high cholesterol, less prevalence of cardiac disease, diabetes, cancers, all kinds of medical conditions. And it's a diet that's realistic. It's not a fad diet. It's the way the Mediterranean people have just eaten forever. Um, but it actually is very sound in, in its undertones for nutrition in general. So today I'm not actually going to tell you specific diets that you need to follow because some people will find a diet that works for them. And if it works for you, and you can honestly tell yourself that you could eat this way your entire life, then by all means do it. If it makes you feel good, if it's generally healthy, and you could stay on the same diet forever, then please just follow that. Don't feel like you need to research 10 other diets. You don't have to do what your coworker's best friend's aunt did. None of that. Just do what you feel like you can follow, okay? But one thing that is so pertinent is that we need to be eating real food. And so this episode is titled The Lean Green Eating Machine. And this is because eating mainly plants is extremely healthy. Now, I'm not saying you need to be vegan. I'm not vegan. I've mentioned this on almost every episode when I bring up a vegan diet. But the literature that I've been studying for lifestyle medicine strongly supports vegan diet in some capacity. I honestly don't think most Americans could follow a vegan diet. Uh, maybe this is something that could happen in the future, but I don't think it's realistic to be telling everyone that they should be following a vegan diet. What I think is more realistic is that we educate individuals on the health benefits of eating a lot of what are called whole food plant-based items. So these are vegan items. And when you eat more of these, there are a ton of health benefits that go along with these foods. So today we're going to talk about the health benefits that are associated with a whole food plant-based diet, and then some of the studies that have highlighted improvements in different health conditions related to a whole food plant-based diet. And then we'll wrap up with how to get this started with your everyday diet and how you can incorporate some of these suggested items. So what is a whole food plant-based diet? Basically, this is a diet that is high in whole foods. So this is uh, vegetables, beans, grains, and fruits. They do also include things like nuts and oils, but they try to limit these. Um, it depends on who you talk to, but uh, many of the studies have a very low amount of fat and oil, despite these items being whole food plant-based items. So this means there's no dairy, meat, or fish. So what are the health benefits of a whole food plant-based diet? 
Well, you can imagine that you're eating a ton of nutrient-rich items. I mean, it's jam-packed with nutrients, both vitamins, minerals, and things called phytochemicals that I've mentioned before, which are things we can't necessarily categorize into a group and you can't extract them necessarily. They're just part of the makeup of the plant. Interestingly enough, these are often fat soluble and they need some amount of fat to be absorbed. And so uh, when you are eating a whole food plant-based diet, you need to have some fat in your, in your meal overall. Otherwise, you will miss out on absorbing some of those nutrients. This diet is lower in calories and loaded with fiber. So you can imagine that you can eat a small amount and still be extremely full um, because the fiber is actually roughage that's going to fill up your stomach. And when your stomach stretches, it releases signals to your brain to tell you that you're full and to have you stop eating. And so this is often used as a weight management tool. As you know, I do not promote weight management specifically um, because I just think most of our approaches at weight loss are not successful. Uh, the studies do not support them. And you can go back and listen to episode eight, where I go into detail on my opinions about weight. Um, but this is one of the things that this specific diet touts. And you could imagine if you actually followed this very strictly, I mean, you would just lose weight. There's not, there's a lot of vegetables you can eat, but there's only so much you can do. And most of the meals tend to be uh, legumes, grain, vegetable, small amount of fat and fruit, and pretty much repeat every single meal. But if you love cooking, there are a ton of cookbooks and recipes out there where you can mix it up and have more variety. Um, but if you're looking for just the easiest way to get into this type of eating pattern, um, it's just sort of following that same template for most of your meals. And those foods don't have a ton of calories. They're very filling. And you can imagine that you'll probably lose weight. Now, remember, when you lose weight, we don't live in vacuums. Our bodies are adapted to try to have us hold on to weight and not lose them. So it is very important that if you're hungry on this diet, that you find ways to be more full. And so that might mean adding more fat and protein in some way, whether you continue to follow whole food plant-based or you add in some other lean sources, whichever works for you. And so there have been a number of studies done to look at how following this whole food plant-based diet can influence disease. And I'm going to talk about just a few here that I thought were especially interesting. So the first is high blood pressure. There was a study that looked at using a whole food plant-based diet to see if people had a similar effect with their blood pressure control as people who are taking medications. And they actually found that when patients adopted a whole food plant-based diet, they saw significant reductions in their blood pressure to the point that they no longer needed to take a blood pressure medication. They weren't meeting criteria any longer. Um, so it did work to mitigate the need for medication. The next is heart failure. So heart failure is when your heart just can't pump as efficiently as it did before. So maybe it's not relaxing as well, or when it pumps only a small amount of blood comes out instead of the normal amount. There are a few different types of heart failure, um, but this one specific study looked at somebody who had heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, and this was a case study. And it was pretty profound. They had an ejection fraction of 25%, which is very low. Um, this is somebody with very advanced heart failure. And their ejection fraction improved from 25% to 55% in just six months, which is a pretty profound number. Now, there are likely some variables that weren't disclosed in the study to take into account, but the fact that following this diet may have contributed to that significant improvement is pretty profound. The third 
medical condition is stroke. So a whole food plant-based diet is known to decrease inflammation, lower blood pressure, lower the quote-unquote bad cholesterol. This is the one that increases plaque deposition on your blood vessels and then decrease overall plaque buildup for a variety of reasons. And so following this diet has been associated with lower risk of stroke because it works similarly to some of the agents that we use to lower your risk of stroke by decreasing inflammation and decreasing the ability of plaques to form. The fourth medical condition that I want to talk about is diabetes. So this is a medical condition that we have talked about before on the podcast and is very prevalent in our world. It just continues to increase. But this is when you have a high level of glucose or sugar in your blood floating around and your cells become resistant to getting rid of that sugar. So the sugar levels are high, which makes insulin levels high. And that insulin in turn has a lot of not so great effects on our bodies. One of the main culprits for type 2 diabetes is excessive sugar intake. Um, Now, just eating a lot of sugar alone doesn't guarantee someone will have diabetes, but there are numerous factors that play into it. But the underlying problem is too much sugar floating around in your bloodstream. So you would think that lowering your sugar intake would in turn decrease your risk of type 2 diabetes. And they've actually found that patients who follow this diet, even if they eat the starchy foods, so potatoes and things that people often think they have to avoid with diabetes, they found that when they follow a whole food plant-based diet, they have decreased risk of type 2 diabetes overall. Now, they don't know exactly why that is, but it is interesting to see following a diet that's not necessarily low in carbohydrates can actually decrease your risk of type 2 diabetes. My assumption is that the types of carbohydrates they're eating in these diets are much healthier than what people eat on the street. So potatoes are actually real potatoes that we recognize, not French fries that are you know, baked in a fryer or potato chips or other forms of starches that are less healthy. All right, the last two that I want to talk about aren't actual conditions, but just general medical health related items. So the first of these two is mood. And a meta-analysis looked at numerous studies that have been done related to a whole food plant-based diet. And they found that the higher the food quality, so the more whole foods people were eating, the higher their quality of life and their psychological well-being. So that's awesome that following this diet can actually improve your mood and also help you just have a better quality of life. That seems like a no-brainer to me to at least try it out. And they don't know if it's following it in its entirety or if people just have higher quality so they're trying to eat more of these foods as often as they can. Um, But regardless, it's pretty exciting that there's this possibility. The second of the two general health items I wanted to talk about was the gut microbiome. This is a super hot topic, and the studies are still not conclusive yet. We do know that your gut microbiome changes when your weight and health status changes. We don't know chicken or egg, but there's a thought that your gut microbiome influences your disease state and also influences the amount of inflammation in your body and how well your body can adapt to variations in its environment. And so the gut microbiome are just the good bacteria that live in your intestines that help keep the bad bacteria in check, keep your gut nice and strong and healthy, and really just promote an overall 
well-being. And so they found that the gut microbiome loves fiber. And if you eat a diet that's high in fiber, your microbiome will be quite happy because what it does is it breaks down this fiber and it produces energy for that gut microbiome. So it can become stronger and um, more have more stamina and be able to withstand variations that could happen. And so the thought is that this whole food plant-based diet is so high in fiber that, that it actually could be influencing disease indirectly by also influencing the gut microbiome. All right, I'd like to change gears a little bit here and talk about how you can start to implement some of these diet changes into your everyday diet in a way that's realistic for you because these health benefits are legitimate. They're real, they've been studied, and when people follow these diets very rigidly, they have huge health benefits. So it's not that you need to go get rid of everything that doesn't fall under whole food plant-based because honestly, if you do that, I am 99% certain you will not sustain this. <laughs> you know, you'll likely fall back if you do something that dramatic. So instead, what I would encourage is that every week you ha- try to have one meal that's whole food plant-based, and then you'll turn that into three times a week, and then one meal every day, and then a couple meals a day, and you'll slowly increase. And it's not that it even needs to be 100% whole food plant-based, but that you're slowly and incremental levels, adding in these whole food plant-based items so that they're just a normal part of your diet. And I really think that a gradual introduction is what is most likely to be successful. When people do the dramatic initiation of a diet, like let's say South Beach or Atkins diet, when you go through this like three-week phase that's extremely strict, you see big results quickly, but you feel like crap I mean, you feel so bad because you have just totally shocked your body. And in this world we live in where there's instant gratification all the time, I think people think they like that, but the statistics on people who stick to those diets long-term is extremely low. And most of that weight that you're losing that soon on is water weight and things that aren't actually real weight. And so There are things that I feel like you probably will lose over time if weight is your main goal. If you're going to lose them, you'll lose them over time following the same diet. So why not gradually introduce a change in your diet so that you're able to create a sustainable approach at eating? And then you'll also be able to continue doing the things you love. So going out to eat for a birthday party or figuring out how to incorporate this diet into special meals that happen at your work or things that come up in the day-to-day that maybe when you're doing it in that three weeks, you can just, you know, hunker down and make sure that you follow this diet to a T, no questions asked, you know, maybe that will work, but let's look at the big picture. How likely are you to stick to this diet when you haven't made a game plan for how you'll follow it in the day-to-day life, when these real life things come up that are going to have emotional components to it. Because the truth is food has emotional components. We eat for social reasons and there are emotions tied to certain foods. And if we pretend like that doesn't exist or that shouldn't exist, then we're just setting ourselves up for failure. So if you're trying to introduce a new way of eating, like incorporating whole food plant-based items, I would recommend you do this gradually. So you decide by looking at your general diet, how you eat now and how you can slowly introduce these foods. I'm talking over a year time period. 
You don't need to do this all right now, but make a game plan that you think is realistic because sometimes it's not just you who's influenced by this decision. You may cook meals for other people in your family or do grocery shopping, and you need these other people to buy in as well. So we need to find ways to do this in a very welcoming, supportive, and non-confrontational way so that everyone will be happy with the decision and successful. So I hope that you found some of this information to be useful and maybe came up with a few realistic ways you can try to increase the amount of whole food plant-based items that you eat on a daily basis. I would love to hear your thoughts on both this diet and on what you're doing to try to improve the overall quality of the diet that you eat on a day-to-day basis. So head over to my social media accounts. Uh, Facebook page is at nutrition.health.life and Instagram is the same. Um, And leave some comments about how you're feeling related to this diet discussion today. I can't wait to talk to you next week. Take care. While I make every effort to broadcast correct information, I am still learning. The views expressed on this podcast are solely my own, based on extensive experience and research. The views of this podcast are not those of any organizations that I am currently or previously affiliated with. If you have any concerns about views or opinions expressed in this podcast, please contact me directly at lynn.stiff at nutritionhealthlife.com. One doctor may have a different way of doing things from another, and I am simply presenting my views on how to... Use diet and lifestyle approaches to improve your health. By listening to this podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice or to treat any medical conditions that either yourself or others are experiencing. Please consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. Do not ignore or delay obtaining professional medical advice because of information accessed or otherwise obtained from or on behalf of Nutrition Health Life LLC or Lynn Stiff MD.